God's passion is the cross. <laughs> and you can see it right there because in that moment when he made the decision, not his will, but the Father's be done, he chose the cross. And he chose the cross for you and me. He's passionate about the cross. And today and next Sunday and Easter Sunday, we're going to talk about God's passion that is the cross. Amen? His passion is the cross. I didn't necessarily, probably a few years back, if you would have said that to me, you'd have made that statement to me, that God's passion is the cross. I would have said, no, nah, that's not his passion. His passion are people. But today, and over the next two Sundays, or two other Sundays other than today, we're going to talk about what that passion looks like. And I have a subtitle today, and my subtitle is The Message of the Cross. And in 1 Corinthians 1... And verse 17, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this out of about three different translations. But I want you to see something here that I believe is, is, is vital to us understanding what we have a right to day to day in our life. What we have a right to from and in the kingdom of God, what we have a right to, how the, the rights that we have to live and to operate in the earth. As Jessica was talking about in, in the offering message, that there are promises of God's word about living in more than enough that were accomplished at the cross. They're not accomplished when we see things happen. They were accomplished back then. And if they were accomplished then, then they're here for us now because He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? So in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 17, I'm going to read this first in the, in the New King James. For Christ did not send me to baptize, this is the Apostle Paul saying it, but to preach the gospel not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. For the for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, what does it mean to be, to be being saved? You mean, Pastor, should I come up, uh, should I stand up every week and, and confess Jesus Christ as my Savior every week because maybe I made mistakes last week and maybe I'm not really forgiven and, and, and I, so I need to make that confession again? Absolutely not. Everybody deals with things. Everybody makes mistakes. But we are being saved soulishly in our mind as our mind is renewed day to day so that we go from thinking like the world and the world's way of thinking to thinking like God. That's the process of being saved. When you're born again spiritually and you accept Jesus in your heart, it's a done thing. Now, 
Whether you can lose that or not or, or whatever, we're not here to, to debate that. A lot of different ideas concerning that. I'm saying if you confess with your mouth, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you're born again. And with that second birth, then the process starts of your mind being renewed, and that's the soul salvation that he's talking about right here, about being saved continuously. So for those of us who are being saved, the cross is the power of God. Everybody say, the cross is the power of God. I mean... How many like power in here? Huh? I mean, come on. How many like some power? Amen. I, I want power. So if the power of God is the cross, then I need to understand the cross not just from a religious perspective, but I need to understand the cross from a perspective that benefits me because if it doesn't benefit me, then it was to no avail. And we don't want it that way. We want it to be producing in our lives. Can you say amen to that? As it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Now I'm going to read this in the Message Bible, these three verses. God didn't send me out to collect a following for myself, but to preach the message of what He has done, collecting a following for Him. And He didn't send me to do it with a lot of fancy rhetoric of my own, lest the powerful action at the center, Christ on the cross, be trivialized into mere words. The message that points to Christ, Christ on the cross seems like sheer silliness to those hell-bent on destruction. But for those on the way of salvation, it makes perfect sense. This is the way God works, and most powerfully, as it turns out, it's written, I'll turn conventional wisdom on its head, I'll expose so-called experts as crackpots. Now let's get the female version. <clears throat> That's just a joke. This is the Amplified. For Christ, <laughs> I said it's a joke. Yes, okay. <clears throat> don't, don't post something on social media or something. It's just a joke. For Christ the Messiah sent me out not to baptize, but to evangelize by preaching the glad tidings, the gospel, and that not with verbal eloquence, lest the cross of Christ should be deprived of force and emptied of its power and rendered vain, fruitless, vo void of value and of no effect. For the story and the message of the cross is sheer absurdity and folly to those who are perishing and on their way to perdition, but to us who are being saved. Everybody say, I'm being saved. I'm being saved. Say it again. But to us who are being saved, whose minds are being renewed, it is the manifestation of the power of God. The cross and the understanding of the cross is the manifestation of the power of God. What does the power of God accomplish? 
I'll just give you a few things, you know, that every one of us should know, but I'll just give you a few things to meditate on. The power of God is God's ability, and the power of God has already healed us. So today, when something comes against you physically, it's the power of God that you need to be on the receiving end of that He's already accomplished on your behalf. And to do that, I've got to understand the cross of Jesus Christ. I've got to understand what it means. But uh, to those of us who are... Those of us who are being saved, it is the manifestation of the power of God. For it is written, I will baffle and render useless and destroy the learning of the, learn, the learned and the philosophy of philosophers and the cleverness of the clever and the discernment of the discerning. I will frustrate and nullify them and bring them to nothing. Now, we're going to talk about this over the next three weeks, but I, I just want to lay this out before I, before I step into the rest of what I'm going to talk about today. What I believe that he's saying is the cross of Christ is something that <clears throat> in this dispensation of time, since the actual cross, is something that you and I have been commissioned, and you'll see that over the next few weeks, that we've been commissioned to take up. To take up the cross of Christ. To get a hold of the meaning of the cross of Christ on a day-to-day basis. In the video, when you saw him, the snake represented Satan, the, the other person represented Satan, but then the manifestation of Satan, like he was coming in for the kill. Uh, I, I was told, or, I, or uh, somebody told me that they read, so you know, this may not be true, but that snake that you saw in there is the most poisonous snake on the planet. Anybody ever hear that? About the snake in the, in the, in the movie. They, they took that, I mean, they, it, it, I don't think it actually was on him, you know, in the movie, but they cropped it in or however they did that. And, but that is the most poisonous snake. And so what that represented was, what Satan thought is that he was coming in for the kill. And he was going to take Jesus out. Actually, what he did was he enabled us to live. Amen? So what Jesus had to do is he had to purpose to do the whole thing, to finish the process the Father's way. Jesus said, Lord, if there be any other way, yet not my will, but yours be done. Jesus had another thought. When he was in the garden, the Bible says he began to sweat drops of blood. And as he was sweating those drops of blood, I believe, I believe, revelation began to come to him about what the cross was going to entail. And everything that he was going to have to go through, going to the cross. And I think his natural mind, he was all God, but he was all man. And I believe that his natural mind began to reason and come up with a new idea about maybe how he could make some changes and we could do it. God, let's, maybe we could do it this way and we wouldn't have to suffer so much. But what he did is he chose the Father's will, which was the good of all mankind. And daily, 
you and I have been called and created to take up his cross and follow after him and implement the same unselfish, purposeful commitment to laying your life down for other people. That's what I believe the whole message of the cross is about. Today, we're talking about what that message really is. Jesus accomplished it, so you and I, we don't have to take up the cross of sickness and disease. No, 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 no. We don't have to take up the cross of poverty. We don't have to take up the cross of destruction or any of those kind of things. Now we take up the cross of what He accomplished. And what He accomplished for you and I was life. And for you and I to fulfill the destiny that he had planned for us before we were even thought about. Can you say amen to that? So today, I want to look at, can you put, there it is. Um, In this picture is a tree and then a cross that represents a tree. Because when I was in Israel, one of our tour guides told us, said, you know, you realize that Jesus really probably didn't get nailed to an actual cross like what we think of, but to an actual tree. And that kind of blows out of the water all of our tradition and stuff like that, but I mean, it, it was probably a tree and it had... And, and, and the guy that carried part of the cross had something, so they put it up there somehow. But our tour guide said it was absolutely a tree that he was nailed to. And today what I want to look at in two verses of Scripture <clears throat> is the tree from the beginning and the tree at the end <clears throat> that started a new beginning. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15, God had created man and he took man in verse 15. The Lord God took the man and he put him in the Garden of Eden to tend it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden that you, you of the garden you may freely eat of, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day that you eat of that tree, of the fruit of that tree, you shall surely die. You shall surely die. You shall surely die. That word die or death there <clears throat> is being separated from the presence of God. It's not ceasing to exist. It's being separated from the presence of God. God made man, and right after this statement, he took from the rib of man and he made the woman. And the two became one flesh. Their marriage connection was mentioned at the end of chapter 2, and they were in the garden on their honeymoon. And... uh, God told Adam that when you eat this, you'll be separated from me. That happened 
and all of mankind for 4,000 years was separated from God for 4,000 years. title of my series is God's Passion is the Cross. For 4,000 years, he waited for John chapter 19 and verse 30. For 4,000 years, everything that happened in the Old Testament was focused on this day, this moment, and this verse of Scripture. All of the workings and the happenings of life for 4,000 years from the time that Eve and then Adam ate the fruit from that moment on for a little over 4,000 years, God set it up and become, became passionate about winning us back. And in John chapter 19 and verse 30, so when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. And at that moment, all kinds of things in the natural begin to happen. In the temple, the the curtain was torn in half Everything was separated. People began to be raised from the dead. If you read the end of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all of their different um, uh, reports of, of, of those days, um, all kinds of things begin to happen because in the moment that he declared it was finished and the moment he breathed his last breath, the passion of the Father was fulfilled. And that passion was what the cross produced. And the message of the cross, if it gets watered down, won't produce for us today. If the message of the cross gets watered down, then we are not embracing and receiving of God's manifested power day to day to accomplish the things that we need to so that other people can come into our lives and want what we have. But to do that, You have to take up that cross and learn what it means to lay your life down for other people, for the good of another person. That's God's whole plan. And the whole plan begins to be manifested when the power is at our disposal because we believe in it, because we believe in the message of the cross. Can you say amen to that? In Romans 5... And I'm going to read today just only three verses out of Romans 5. I'm going to start with Romans 5.12 in the New King James. It says, Therefore, just as the one man, just as through one man sin entered the world, And death through sin, that's Adam. And thus death spread to all men because all sinned, because of what Adam did. Man, Adam contaminated all of us. 
When you think of things that you struggle with that you can't overcome, just blame Adam for it. No, I'm teasing. <clears throat> but the truth of the matter, that's where it all originated. And if that's where we were at today, and, and we were just at not being able to overcome things because of what someone else did, well, you could kind of play the blame game somewhat. But notice the next verse, verse 18. Therefore, as, though, as, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men through Adam, resulting in condemnation, even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many are made righteous. Amen? That's who we are. We are the righteousness of God. We are right with God. We are in a position to receive the power. As our minds are renewed by the Word of God day to day, as, as our soul is saved on a day-to-day -day basis, as we're changing our thinking day-to-day, -day, then we receive the power to do the things that are right. And when we walk in obedience, we get the same results that He got. And when we disobey, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. We can repent and move on. And not stay under the condemnation and, and the trash that the enemy tries to wear you out telling you you'll never be anything because of the mistakes you've made. Absolutely not. It was that way in the old covenant. And that's why, man, I mean, they sacrificed all kinds of things. I mean, there are some lambs and chickens and goats and all kinds of heifers and everything else that died and passed away for the sins of other people. But there's not another goat there's not another lamb, not another calf that needs to be sacrificed because the blood of Jesus took care of it all. Can you say amen to that? The blood of Jesus Christ took care of it all. No matter what we've done in the past, old things are passed away and behold, everything is brand new. But the power to overcome that and really believe that is in the message of the cross. It's in the message of the cross. In the, uh, in the message translation of these three verses, listen to this, verse 12. You know the story of how Adam landed us in the dilemma we're in. <laughs> First sin, then death, and no one exempt from either sin or death. That's where he left us. Verse 18, here it is in a nutshell. Just as one person did wrong and got us in all this trouble with sin and death, another person did it right and got us out of it. Ha! I mean, come on, man. That, that's worth some shouting. Come on. Huh? I mean, I, I'll read it again and then you can shout. <clears throat> here it is in a nutshell. Just as one person did it wrong and got us in all this trouble with sin and death, another person did it right and got us out of it. Come on. He liberated us. So, what do you struggle with day to day? What struggle do you have day to day in any area of your life? Well, the truth of the matter is, you shouldn't have any struggles 
No, that's a joke. There's struggles everywhere. Amen? Everybody struggles with something. But whatever you struggle with, no matter what it is, I don't care what it is, you, you, may, you may struggle, you may have a struggle in your life with finances. You may have a struggle with, with you know, some disorder in your life or your body. You may have a struggle with, with drugs or alcohol or things. You may have struggles in this and that or the other. I don't care what it is. I'm telling you, Jesus has already been there like he was a druggie that couldn't overcome and he overcame and yet he wasn't a druggie. But he took all the stuff that a druggie feels on himself. I don't know how he did that. He, he wasn't that. He didn't do the drugs. But he took on himself everything that a person in that situation would feel. And he got you out of it. You don't have to stay there. I'm just telling you today, that's some amazing news. A verse of scripture that I believe is prophetic today. Not pathetic, prophetic. I believe this is prophetic today. Bob says in Romans 8, 1, you can go look at it. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the things of the Spirit. There is no condemnation. There is conviction, but there's no condemnation. Condemnation tells you that because of the mistakes you've made, you're no good. You're disqualified. You're, you, 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 there's nothing else that you could ever do in life because you've made these mistakes or wh- however bad it is that the enemy's trying to tell you that stuff. It's all a pack of lies. There's conviction. And conviction comes and says, come on. You know what? This thing's been here. It's time to get over this. Let's work on this. It's going to come and say, you know what, this is no good. You know, you know what conviction is for? It's to, to keep you alive. When the enemy comes and convicts you about something that's not good for you, it's so that it doesn't hurt you. I mean, he's got you covered in every way. And no matter how difficult it is, and, and most of the time when conviction comes, your natural mind tells you, you can't do that. Or your natural mind will come and say, well, you know what, We've tried that five times, and I've always failed. But there's nothing greater than today. Because today is the first day of the rest of your life to overcome, even if you've failed 15 times. Thank God for His mercy and His grace that are new and fresh. The Bible says, the promise of God says, His mercy is there for you every day. So when you wake up in the morning and the enemy's telling you one thing, no, 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 I'm under the mercy of God and the mercy and the grace of God has empowered me to go do what's right. And the more you practice that, the more liberated and free you'll get. That's what this says. So here it is in a nutshell. Verse 18 of Romans 5. Just as one person did it wrong and got us in all this trouble with sin and death, another person did it right and got us out of it. But more than just getting us out of trouble, he got us into life. One man said no to God and put many people in the wrong, but one man said yes to God 
and put many people in the right. He said yes and put us in this place where we're right. And you know what? I'm just saying to you today, what's difficult with that in life, what, what is really difficult with that is that Our, our, our natural minds want to kind of help God out. Our natural mind wants to help God out with trying to convince us that God isn't really that good. That He really wouldn't forgive me of the things that I've done. That He really wouldn't empower me to do what's right. That, that, the, enemy, that, that the enemy wants to work and, you, and wants you to help yourself be convinced that God really isn't that good. And that God really can't do what He said He could do. And He really doesn't stand behind His promises when all that's a lie. And I'm telling you that the opposite is true. Whatever the devil tells you, whatever lies come to you that go contrary to the word, they're lies and they're not true. And you can believe that the opposite is what's true. No matter what. My message today is the message of the cross. And I'm telling you today, actually, host, um, I want you to prepare, go ahead and prepare for the, for the communion today. <clears throat> I want to do something, but I want us to partake of communion today. We always, on the first Sunday of the month, have communion on purpose, not for a religious act, but the Bible says as often as you do this, do this in remembrance. And today, my message about the cross is so tied and connected to communion that I want us to partake of that today as, as I finish my thought here in a moment. But you, got, you, you all go ahead and, and bring that. There's no rush. We're just, we're taking our time. Um, I, I want to I drive this point home that I'm going to give here in a moment. <clears throat> awesome, awesome. Thank you. Glory to God. This passage that I read in 1 Corinthians 11. the first part of it in a moment, but I want to end my message today by saying this. 
in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 27. It says, therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord, meaning the, when, you, when you partake of communion. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning, in other words, what the cross of Christ accomplished. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. But when we judge ourselves, we empower ourselves. When we examine ourselves, we empower ourselves. So today, what I want to say to you is that the cross of Christ has empowered you to receive everything God has done for you already. I'm saying to you prophetically today that by the stripes of Jesus Christ, you were healed. Your bodies were healed. The key is allowing not the condemnation of the enemy, but the conviction of God to lead your heart. And as he leads you, it positions you to receive. All of a sudden, your eyes get opened and you understand things that you didn't understand before. Healing is not just about somebody touching you. For you to be well. Healing is 90% you receiving it. And when your heart condemns you and you don't feel like you're worth anything or you don't feel like God would heal you because of mistakes that you've made, man, you've got to nail that thing. God delivered you. He forgave you. He set you free. He's liberated you and positioned you so that you can receive everything from Him. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. You're blessed coming in and going out. Everything that you set your hand to, it'll advance and prosper because of what God's done for you. Things like that that you've got to remind yourself of when condemnation comes to try to tell you you're disqualified. You've been taken out of the mix. Jesus died for you, but man, your mistake was just a little over the top life in the pit of hell and today as we partake of this communion we're going to do this in a little bit different way because what I'm declaring over you is that you are healed today your body is healed and healthy and whole that you have been liberated and free in your physical body today as we partake of this of this cracker by his stripes you were healed